Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's Tuesday night. The College Football Playoff Selection Committee has just released its latest batch of rankings. And uh, with us today, uh, that's Barton Simmons. That is Danny Cannell. Cannell and Bell, you can see it on CBS Sports HQ. You can download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Danny, man, it's, uh, it's, it's good to get you back on the show. How are you doing? Uh, happy Thanksgiving. A little bit early. Happy Thanksgiving. You know what I'm excited about on on this show specifically? Haven't been on you guys in a while. And now that I've worked with both of you enough, like I know who's who. Because the first couple of times, like I hadn't met you guys. Like I'm going back like two years ago. I couldn't tell Barton apart from Chip. Now I got you guys pegged. So Chip, it feels great to be on. Barton, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Let's do it, man. Thank you. This could be great for our chemistry. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So the new time. Go ahead. Well, no, just, yeah, dig into the top 25 for us. Um, you are always very much a, uh, a contrarian to a certain degree. Like, you, you, you are outspoken in some of your criticism about the rankings. So what's, what, what, what itch are you scratching today? What's, uh, what, what's, what's kind of the, the crawl in your saddle or whatever you want to call it? Not too much, Barton. See, in my old age, now that we're, uh, what, four (laughs) years deep in this thing, five years deep, I've kind of gotten over getting upset about it, right? I mean, because there's there's nothing you can do about it. These don't matter. They are made for TV events that we get every Tuesday, and it's good for us in this business because we get to react to it. So that's all a good thing. Um, I was not surprised that uh, Ohio State made the jump. I think I I was watching some HQ stuff earlier, and I saw both you guys thought it was going to be. I was a little bit surprised that – the guys on the show on ESPN sounded surprised because I think if you start stacking up resumes, Ohio State's had you know a, a much better opportunity than LSU did playing Arkansas, who's been atrocious this year in the SEC. Meanwhile, you had Ohio State look really, really solid, get tested, and respond to that uh, against the Nittany Lions. So I thought it was kind of expected. I was with you guys, so I, I, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't surprised at that. I still do think. Alabama is a little overranked, and I thought they were from the the minute that they lost to LSU. I was like, man, they're going to take a drop, and then they didn't, and I was like, oh, this committee really likes Alabama, as they traditionally have done, but you can't say it's because of any type of resume. It's got to be based on the brand, based on Nick Saban, based on a defense that's not as dominant, and now an offense, which was awesome with Tua, but we really don't know what it is in Mac Jones, so I still look at that, but again... Their fifth, I don't think it matters because I think both Utah and Oklahoma can jump them when they have conference champions next to their name if they both win out. Barton, do you want to – I because I feel like Alabama n- won't necessarily get jumped 
by Utah so, yeah, or like Oklahoma. That's the, that's, that's yeah. the thing I'm a little bit nervous about. And that's where, yeah, that, you that's know. Danny's going to go on his, his tirade. Well, yeah, I'll go nuts if that happens. Because, I mean, that and that's always been my thing. And it, I did the same thing with Ohio State when they jumped over Penn State. As Penn State was a uh, conference champion, even though Penn State had more losses. I was like, hey, they won on the field. That's all that should matter when they faced head-to-head. But that's another story. But I just – I'm a firm believer in conference championships should matter. Like, I am a pro – eight-team playoff person. I wish we would expand. If we're not, if you just wanted to give me one tweak, I would say make it four conference champions, the best four conference champions. And I know that's a whole nother discussion. But for me, I do think the committee – I'm curious to hear what you guys think too. I do think there is a human level where I actually like that there's humans on there for this reason. There is an acknowledgement of, man, we have left the Pac-12 out of this thing a few times, you know, it's going to look really bad if we leave out Utah, who's been more than deserving. They've dominated on defense. You know, their loss isn't bad. Um, if they beat Oregon, it will be a you know another pretty good win. But it's, Bama doesn't have that many wins on its resume that are exactly impressive. So then you add in Pac-12 champion with only one loss. I think there's a part of the committee that will say, you know what? We really need to show the Pac-12 some love and respect. So let's make sure it's Utah this year. Do you guys think that comes into play? No, I do. You don't. You don't think uh, so at all. I I really think they sit in that room, and there are a bunch of. I mean, like there's there are a bunch of former coaches and athletic directors and administrators and people that are like they're not a bunch of fans or even media types. Like there are people in there. I think that are holding themselves to this almost almost to a fault, a fault maybe even like this level of integrity where. Hey, the rules are here. Like, we're not making TV matchups. We're not picking the biggest school. We're not like. I think they're all checking each other to the point like that. I don't think that would ever come up where they say, "Oh man, the, the Pac-12 has been getting dinged here the last couple of years." Like, at some point, we got to let a Pac-12 team in, right? I think that is like there may be people in the sub- subconscious that worry about that in that room, but I don't, I don't think that word, uh, anything like that is uttered at all. And I, I agree with you from a start of a conversation. I meant more subconscious, back of their mind, hey, you know, man, it is in the, it is one of the four, like, four criteria to at least acknowledge. I don't, you know you don't have to be required to be a conference champion, but it is in there. And in years past, it has been used as the linchpin. Hey, the 13th data point, you do, you know, conference champion. And that's, like, there are a lot of flaws in this system, which is one thing that kind of drives me nuts every single year. But how about the fact that if you are Bama or you were Ohio State in years past and you get in, like, in what playoff system does it make sense where you actually get an advantage? You get a bye week if you're Bama and get in because you don't have to play a conference champion. That's just a little side rant for me. But, I mean, you really do. Like, what incentive is there to even win your, your conference or even play for it if you can get in with one loss, as long as you still look pretty good and you look the part, like that's a, I think that's a really bad example and a bad precedent that the committee has already set. But here's the difference: I don't think, I think if it's Utah and Alabama, and those are the two final teams for that four spot. If it's Oklahoma, I think it's a little bit different. But if it's Utah and Alabama, because of Utah's dominance, I think there's not a clear cut. Oh, you have to put in Bama, especially without Tua. And if it's two one-loss teams and it's not that clear-cut as far as the eye test goes, then I think you lean towards the conference champion, and that's where I think Utah would get in. I think this, It sounds like you guys disagree. Yeah, I think the subconscious bias happens later. I think it happens in the decisions between 15 and 25. 
I think it happens where um, the committee subconsciously is setting itself up for Oklahoma to be able to jump ahead of Utah, even though they have maintained sort of in this you know one loss pecking order that the Utah has been ahead of the Sooners. But now with Oklahoma, I mean with Oregon falling all the way to 14, they're going to be able to say, well, you know, Oklahoma's win against Baylor greater than Utah's win uh, against the Oregon Ducks and they can say and look at all of these top 25 wins that Oklahoma has on its resume when the if you're using top 25 wins you are the one that is declaring what is a top 25 win and I don't happen to believe the difference between number 20 and number 30 or number 25 and number 40 in college football is dramatic enough for that to be a deal breaker where you know they're putting Oklahoma State in there they've got Iowa State back in there and I admit I've enjoyed watching the Big 12 but I cannot say for sure that the Big 12 is such a great football conference that Oklahoma deserves a major advantage over Utah when they are the ones that are determining that the Big 12 is awesome with these ranked teams at the bottom of the rankings yeah it's interesting you're bringing that up Chip because I do think you know, as we're kind of looking at these three one-loss teams that are definitely going to be in the conversation, I think the one thing that matters, how do these teams look over their last regular season in a conference championship game? And that's one thing where I think Alabama, I think if they went out and they went to Auburn and they blew them out, and I'm t- for a blowout in this game, I don't think, I don't see any, any scenario where it's 59 to nothing, you know, because we keep hearing that was the impressive uh, right. Ohio State. When I, I don't see any scenario where that happens. It just doesn't happen in this type of game. I think three touchdowns is a impressive blowout win as far as definition of how impressive it would have to be to impress the committee. And even that, I don't see happening. I think Alabama is going to be in a dogfight, and I don't think they have that opportunity to impress. Where And then I think with Utah and Oklahoma, I think it matters for them how they look down the stretch. So for the first time, I think it will. If you're just looking at these teams, I think it's going to matter not only how you, you know, if you just win your games, but how you look in them. Because I guarantee you we're going to hear that term, razor-thin margins. You know, look how close these resumes are, and they're similar, especially when you start looking at Utah and Oklahoma with these two teams. If, if that's the case, that's going to be a really fascinating discussion that, you know, we'll get to hear the explanation from the committee. But it would be really tough for them to really separate one of those. And, and emphatically, I don't think there's going to be agreement across the board any way you slice it. So – you believe that championships should matter, and the committee has um, stated that championships are a factor that, that they take into account. But, Danny, you acknowledge, right, that the the goal of the process should be to get the four best teams in, right? Uh, I think they should be the, a combination of four best but also four most deserving. And that's this is the whole thing where how do you determine best? To me, if you just went off the best teams, who do we think are the best teams? We would never have any other representation than Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, and maybe a fourth or fifth, you know, LSU would include in there, like the usual players, because they always have the best looking teams. So you've got to, at some point, you've got to have the season matter. And that's the thing that I always kind of find a com- it's kind of comical where the people that want to stay at four really harp on, hey, the regular season matters more than most. If Alabama gets in, the LSU game didn't matter. Like that, that game didn't matter. It's like it well, didn't it, happen. It, but it did matter in the sense that Alabama. We had to it, it. It, well, <laughs> it, it it allowed it allowed LSU to control its own fate. And Alabama is now sitting here 
at, at the mercy of whatever everything else is going around in the country. So it doesn't matter in the sense that, yeah, if all plays out in Alabama's favor and Alabama gets in, then, yeah, retroactively it didn't matter. But, if I mean, if Nick Saban could go back right now, he would – he would want to be. He would want to have won that game instead of be sitting here, of course, hoping. You know, so that, but if he gets in over, and this is this is where, and I I know it could happen, and I know those things are you know that could happen. If it was a two loss conference champ, and you had a one loss team like Alabama sitting there, I pro- I wouldn't I wouldn't have a, as much of a hard time about it. But right. when we're talking about two one loss conference champions, that should matter, and there's got to be a penalty for losing a game. And I get it was good, but your most impressive game is in a loss. Like, what about that guy? Like, that doesn't bother you either that, you know, Bama's most significant because their schedule is not that tough. It hasn't been that great. And they don't have that many wins to hang their hat on. Same as Utah. I get it. Like, same as them. But Utah would have had a conference champion at the end. So the counter to that, though, is – and I don't even necessarily disagree with you. I'm just saying because I've thought through this discussion when I've gone on radio and just tried to make sure I prepare myself for whatever questions might be coming to me. And the, the counter to that is, all right, so, yeah, there should be a penalty for Alabama losing to LSU. But Alabama lost to LSU with a hobbled quarterback, the number two team in the country, whereas Utah, who you're now going to jump over Alabama, lost to USC. So which of those – like, and, and, and that was a one-score game as well. So the the argument then is if, if, if Alabama's loss sort of dings them, then shouldn't Utah's loss ding Utah? And I think what we're going to see this year – and Chip, you're good. You're better at, at the history stuff than I am. But I don't know that we've seen a non-conference champion put up side by side with what will be a conference champion, whether it's Utah or Oklahoma. And this all assumes, obviously, that LSU wins out too. But I don't think we've seen the conference championship criteria put to the test like we're going to see it this year, assuming Oklahoma and Utah, or I guess you throw Baylor in there, um, went out. Because when we got Alabama in the college football playoff in 2017, it was after Alabama had lost to Auburn, but then Georgia beat Auburn. And so I think that, you know, Auburn wasn't going to be a conference champion. And I think our other conference champions that year were two losses. Yeah. So I, I, so I, I guess we're going to find out whether the committee agrees with you, Danny, that, that the conference championships, should matter and well, I, if they don't and if they don't i think that sounds a really bad message to a lot of college football fans i mean like what what then why do them and like there are a lot of better solutions i think we can all agree on that like that make a lot more sense like this system i it drives me nuts because it makes so little sense and i get that it drives conversation and controversy but the really the saddest part about this is there's going to be a conference t- champion a team that their coaches told them when they came when they stepped on campus and they were in two days hey you know, we want to win our rivalry games. We want to win our state, whatever it is that you kind of prioritize in the regular season game. We want to win our conference. And if we win our conference, we'll have a chance for the playoff. And I guarantee you every coach at a Power 5 program with, you know, any sort of, you know, aspirations is going to tell his team that. And there's going to be at least one every single year and sometimes two like last year and potentially this year as well if you did have a non-conference champion in there. It just, to me, it sent the wrong message about why you're playing the sport. And if that's going to be the case, if you're going to deem the conference champions, you know, irrelevant, then let's do away with them. And let's figure out a better way to get a truer playoff as opposed to this invitational that we have now. See, I think that's where playoff expansion has to start. 
And that mm-hmm. means that the conferences have to come to the table and give up the money that they get and the television deal and the exposure that they get on conference championship weekend because otherwise I, I just think it gets a little bit complicated when we start to think about how we're going to uh, I, how we're going to fit all these games in and how we're going to have it make sense. Like I don't like are we going to go to a sixteen game schedule for the teams that are playing for the national championship? Because boy, that seems like a lot. Uh, to to have gone from where we were not all that long ago. I mean, Dan, you played eleven game regular season, right? Yep. Yep. No conference championship than the bowl. Nope. nope. And what I would say is, well, why don't why don't we do away with the cupcakes that we saw? Like, let's do away with a regular season game. If that's the bit, and I know it won't happen because there's too much money and people are too greedy. And you know, we say we care about the players' well being, but we really don't. Right. That would be the simple solution to me is the, why are we playing 12 games? Let's go back to 11 instead of playing these cupcakes and, you know, or, you know, group of five teams or FCS teams like we saw this last weekend and a bunch of matchups. Let's do away with those and let's give the players a buy, like get them healthy as opposed to playing some crap game where they could, you know, potentially get hurt, but they're still putting their bodies on the line. Like, let's do away with that. And then it really only is a stretch of games for, you know, those eight programs. So it's not like you're asking the whole entire country to play another game. So I I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Although I asked Urban Meyer about that. It was after the 2015 national championship, that one, 2014 or 15, I forget what it was when they won the national championship with Cardell Jones. I was at uh, Columbus during training camp and I was, you know, I'm a big eight team guy. So I'm always asking coaches and he's like, no way. He's like, we just, you know, you should have seen how guys were banged up going down the stretch you know, we can't be expanding the season and adding more games. And I understand that. Like, that is a very real pushback. But I do think there are ways you could build in. I mean, shoot, we have so much time from December until January 13th. You can build in a bye week or an extra week of rest for some of these players down the stretch. So you're not having an NFL-type run towards the end of the season. I played 10-game seasons, and my body was falling apart at the end of those seasons. <laughs> and, and You played 11, and then you played 16 in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know how y'all NFL guys play multiple 16, 20-game seasons. It's, uh, so I, to me, like, it, it sounds crazy that, that they're playing as many games as they are. So For you, me, it wasn't bad, like holding a clipboard. <laughs> 25 games. Are you kedding me? I'll do it as long as you want. Hey, that's got, you got to stay mentally engaged for 16 right. weeks at least. Uh, so the, the, here, here's what it comes down to for me for this, for this playoff. Is, and and when, when, like, what I hope – takes place is you know they they really do try to get the four best teams and i'm i i do agree with you to a degree that conference championships should should matter and because they should but at the same time like no one's no one's promised anything you know there's the same deal with ucf like ucf won all their games and their coaches should told them you know when are your games and we'll have a chance to play for more well you went to ucf and you are like just at some point, maybe just be happy with winning all your games and accomplishing that goal. You, you, not everyone gets a shot at everything. So to a degree, I am just interested in getting the best teams in. And so to that end, I think it really matters what these teams look like in these final games, whether Baylor can go win decisively against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, whether Oklahoma can blow out Oklahoma State and then blow out Baylor, whether Utah can blow out Oregon. Because ultimately, when you look at Alabama and Utah right now, you look at their schedules, they're very similar in terms of the type of teams they're playing, in terms of how bad they're beating them. And now you got a, a, a sort of a showcase opportunity to compare the two and say, I mean, Auburn and Oregon are the same team, basically. Right. I mean, they played head-to-head 
beginning of the season, they're the same team. So if Alabama wins by 17, if Alabama wins by 13, and Utah wins on a last-second field goal, I think Alabama should be in. And you can flip-flop that, too, and say if Alabama wins by a field goal and, and, and Utah wins by 14, then absolutely put Utah in. But I think ultimately it, it, like what we see should be the, the tiebreaker, not how many top 25 teams they've beaten. What, you know, I don't want to reward the AD who, who put together the schedule. I want to reward the players who are out there on the field. Well, what about the, you know, all, the fact that Utah, and I know I guess Alabama has as many, but they're playing you know, nine conference games. They play BYU out of conference. Like they're going to have like they're gonna play, you know, more power five opponents. Like I do think, again, it's another flaw, one of many, the fact that the Pac-12 plays nine conference games and the SEC and ACC play eight. Like that's going to take its toll on you. When we were just talking about, hey, 12 games, you know, how much of what, what of a grind it is. I mean, Utah's been through a grind. I do think the, 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 the points will matter down the stretch, like how you look, style points will matter. I'm not so certain this year Alabama is significantly better than Utah where I, I don't think you could just say, hey, they're unequivocally better, which is really what the committee would need to do to put them in without a conference championship. That's where I think if Utah wins out, I don't know if it matters as much. You know, I, I still think a win is a win against an Oregon team. And I guess I guess it all depends. I mean, I could change my mind if Alabama does blow out Auburn. I'd be in a little bit different mindset. But, you know, what if what if Auburn lays it? You know, what if they quit on Gus Malzahn in the second half and Bama's able to put up a couple fourth quarter touchdowns? You know, like, does that does that count? You know, and I, I don't know. I guess it all depends on kind of how it looks down the stretch. Coming up on the other side, more takeaways from Tuesday night's ranking release and Danny's thoughts on the Florida State coaching search. Next. How, what do you give the, the Minnesota and Baylor part of this? Because Minnesota ne- still needs to beat Wisconsin, and I think that if Wisconsin beats Minnesota, then you know, we're basically just talking about Ohio State or bust. But you know, uh, Barton just mentioned Baylor and the opportunity that's ahead for the Bears. Both Minnesota and Baylor are teams that no one really had on their radar coming into the season. The the poll voters were very slow to get them up and get them moving. You know, the who have you beat? Minnesota, a lot of doubters until that Penn State game. As you look ahead at, at what's there for two teams that currently are in the top 10, that, that seems like a scenario where for the four best teams argument, I we, we spent a lot of time talking about Utah versus Alabama and Oklahoma versus Alabama. I just wonder if a Minnesota or a Baylor, for all the deservingness that they might have as a 12-1 and conference champion, if they might find themselves on the outside looking in, and in Minnesota's case, potentially even while an Ohio State team that it beats in, in, in Indianapolis might still remain in the top four because you're judging oh. the entire resume. I'm I was not buying that ship. No, I'm not either. I think Minnesota – now, here's the thing. Like, I think in these conversations, I think we waste a lot of breath of hypotheticals that none of us believe would happen. So I'm just going to say that straight off the bat. I think Minnesota could be in trouble this weekend against Wisconsin. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Wisconsin beats Minnesota and then they're kind of out of it. And I, I think they'll be probably an 18 to 20 – somewhere around there, 18 to 21-point underdog against Ohio State. And I don't see them as having a realistic chance. But that being said – and, and we're like, that's another thing to kind of like, we're wrong all the time. So, I, you know, maybe Minnesota surprises me and they go out there and they beat Wisconsin, they beat Ohio State. If they do that, I think Minnesota's in. I think they control their own destiny. I don't think there's any way when you talk about the conversations that committee room, 
the optics of having a conference championship, what we call a conference championship game, and then not having the winner in advance and having the loser of that stay on, like that to me would make no sense. And I think college football fans would lose their minds, including myself, over what are you really doing. I do think Minnesota, or excuse me, I do think Baylor has a much better opportunity to beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. I mean, shoot, they had them 28-3. We all watched that game right. and the great collapse at the end. But I think that's a more realistic scenario. Now, the thing that's interesting with Baylor is this could be the opportunity for the committee to bring the hammer down on scheduling. Because, you know, we've always heard they want to prioritize strength of schedule. Who have you you know, who have you played out of conference? And when you line up there and it's Baylor, and I understand they were in a program that was in disarray. They needed some wins. They needed easy wins. They didn't think they were going to be in this conversation. But wins over Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, and Rice, like that's your non-conference slate. That's an embarrassing slate. And I do think that would be an opportunity for the, the, the committee. If Baylor was the Big 12 champion, then it's an opportunity for them to clearly say, all right, if it's Utah or Bama, I think both Utah or Bama would go in over Baylor with their non-conference slate. Chip, you, you, you said this on HQ tonight. you got to explain this to me. So you're saying you think Minnesota, if it wins out and beats Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, that Ohio State could get in and Minnesota would be left out? I, is, yes. Am I, am I hearing that right? What, yes. So, okay. How, what would be the argument that for that? The, the committee's initial uh, feelings about Minnesota – I just don't think that even with a, a close of beating Penn State, beating Wisconsin, beating Ohio State, I'm I'm just not positive that they would put that team – I don't think they would put that team ahead of – Oh, I don't think they would put out Ohio State for Minnesota. I don't think they would put out LSU for Minnesota. Yes, even like a 12-1 Minnesota, and I don't think they would put out Clemson if Clemson's 13-0 for Minnesota. And then when it comes down to, to splitting hairs right there – I, I see Utah and Oklahoma ahead of them. I, I could see Alabama if it does have this uh, definitive. I mean, like, it is not at all what the committee wanted when they created the playoff, but this is a horse race. And if you come out at the very beginning of the process in November when the committee releases its rankings and the committee is saying that you, Minnesota, are so far behind uh, all these other teams that have the similar loss situation that you do, zero losses, then you're, you're kind of looking down on the team. And I'm wondering if it's possible in the eyes of a selection committee that does have a lot of really good options up at the top. I'm just wondering if it's possible to overcome what I guess I would call the first impression. I'm, I don't know, man. I, go, I think uh, they win, they're in. Don't you, Barton? I think if yeah. they win, they're in. You, I mean, you, yeah, like you can't – I mean, because then you're saying that you would put the team that had just lost on a neutral site to Minnesota in because of what it had done prior to that game. I don't. I just don't think that that – So you think they would – all right. So if it happens, then Ohio State still gets in, but then it's just like a LSU 1, Clemson 2 uh, – with Minnesota three, Ohio State four, or some flip flop of that? No, I I don't yeah. think Ohio State's getting in though. If that's the case, if they get beat by Minnesota, I think they I I wouldn't see the committee having a problem leaving them out either. Because mm. it gets I mean, even that's messier. Where, yeah, that's where the discussion goes. Yeah, compare yeah. Ohio State to everybody else. I think Minnesota's absolutely in. If like, yes, Big Ten champs in, SEC champs in. That's right. It. Like no, yep. no matter who it is, those teams are in. 
You know what's crazy? In this era, the college football playoff era, we have not seen an upset in a conference championship game. Do you guys realize that? Like, no, that's a great been point. Nice tidy for the three. You know, they're usually the top two or three, and there's been some debate around four. We have not seen an upset yet. Like, I think it'll be fascinating when we get that. The optics of what if LSU loses to Georgia? What would the committee twelve hours later? You know, because that's when they're making the pick. It's the next day at noon. Would they be okay with – and I know LSU's resume has been awesome, and I know most people assume LSU would probably still be okay there, but what are the optics of saying, all right, you just lost, but we're going to let you go in? Like I, I, I don't know what will happen. I honestly don't, but I think from a – you talk about the coaches on there, like putting a team, letting them advance after they lost, that is an interesting dynamic that we have not seen happen yet, which is kind of crazy. The, the amount of conference championship games we've had with the five power five teams, we have not seen an upset that has thrown a wrench into this. So I think it's something to watch out for and yet another aspect of something we could learn that we really don't know how the committee would react. That is a fantastic thing to point out, Danny. I uh, I will say that the Alabama Crimson Tide did not lose the championship game, but they did lose their last game. Right. And but then went on. Think, oh, I think there's a difference even in eight days and 12 hours. I just, there's something about it that is, you know, you just watched the team lose and you're going to say, well, that was good. But yeah, Georgia was in that conversation last year and they get were given a lot of serious consideration uh, after losing to Alabama, but ultimately it did leave them out. It's just something we haven't seen yet. So it'll be interesting to see if it ever does happen, what the committee would do. Do you think that Georgia can beat LSU or would you pick Georgia to beat LSU in the championship game? And what would, would ha- not, what happens I, if it if that goes down? So I think... oh I. I think George is in for sure, and probably I wouldn't love it, but I think LSU would probably be would be in as well. Um, it depends on how it looks, you know. If, if Georgia blew their doors off and LSU's defense couldn't get off the field, which, you know, the more you watch LSU defensively and you see what Ole Miss did to them, racking up 600 yards, you know, you're like, all right, well, if that happens and Georgia just runs all over them, then maybe LSU gets left out. I do think Georgia. The reason I give them a chance, it's sort sort of like how teams earlier this year in the NFL were beating the Kansas City Chiefs. It was, man, you guys have a lot of talent on offense. You know what we're going to do? We're going to run the football over and over, and we're going to keep the time of possession. We're going to own that battle, and we're just going to keep the ball out of your hands. And Georgia's kind of built for that. Like, you know, Jake Fromm is not going to throw it all over the yard. He's going to make smart decisions. You know, they're going to run DeAndre Swift. they got a great offensive line. I could see that being the game plan for Georgia and I think they've got a defense that could pressure Joe Burrow. The problem is Joe Burrow has had the answer for every defense, no matter what it is. But I think that would be probably the biggest test he would face. So I give Georgia a chance in that game. But ultimately, I do have concerns about Georgia. Need If they need to score 30 or 30, you know, somewhere in that area, I have a little bit concerns about Georgia offensively being able to get it done. If their defense gives up a couple big plays, which you would assume is probably going to happen, so I would pre- I would still leaning towards LSU in that game. Where do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be real fun. Where do you think the uh, like like as as we're I love how you introduce it. Like we are all wrong all the time, and it's right? you know it's like where are you starting to sniff around either like here maybe in the final weekend, and where do you think there might be a result that is just gonna. It, it might make things cleaner, you know, because we've got all these different hypotheticals and scenarios, but is there a game where you think we might get an unexpected result uh, because the uh, 
like the great line that I come back to is just, you know, we spin all these hypotheticals like everyone is going to win out and college football reminds us every single season that it's really hard to win a late season conference game and that the the <laughs> yep. margins and the pressure and everything else that's out there. So is there is there anything here in rivalry weekend that you're uh, starting to circle where you think that, uh, that there might be some, something unexpected brewing? I already told you, I think Wisconsin wins, but that's not really an upset. They're actually They're favored, favored by yeah. two, you know, yeah. so that's not a massive surprise there. I think there are two, and I think they're both in the SEC. I think Alabama could have their hands full with Auburn. Uh, and I know, you know, Bo Nix hasn't played great, but we really don't know what Mac Jones is yet. And I know, you know, Nick Saban did allude to, hey, this is the toughest team we've faced. And if you said defensively, there's no question about it. Um, you know, when you put the totality of LSU's offense, then it's like, all right, come on, Nick. But I get it. He's pumping up the schedule. He's pumping up the opponent. I do think they could have their hands full where they, you know, I could see, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn won that game. And then the other one, I don't know about you guys, but Texas A&M has been a team and I get it. I get that their schedule is not that, or I get their schedule has been brutal. And I know they're a, you know, now a four loss team. But if you look at who they've lost to and how they've played, I thought they played Georgia really well. And yet they still came up short and they had an opportunity late in that game. I, again, sort of like the formula that I now clearly Texas A&M doesn't have the efficiency or the offense that Georgia does as far as being able to control the time of possession. But I could see Texas A&M keeping them, you know, at least keeping this thing close for a half. And you mentioned, I think it was Chip that said, you just you don't know how teams are going to respond in this position. And LSU has passed every single test and they've been awesome. And they should, now they'll probably go out there and win by 28 now that I've brought this up. But they're, this is not a position they've been in. Like they've usually been out of the race at this point late in the season. We saw it. We saw Oregon fold when you know they were a favorite, supposed to win a game. You just you don't know how a team's going to react. What happens if you know there's a strip sack and there's a fumble and they go down seven three? Like I don't. I think they'll be fine, but you just never know how a team is going to respond there. So from those two plus the Wisconsin, I think is actually going to win. Like I, I'll pick Wisconsin to beat. Um, Minnesota, I probably wouldn't do the same here in the SEC, but I think there's a chance you could see one of these two SEC teams in the West here get beat. Yeah, it's, it is. I mean, I'm kind of with you. I, I can't figure out how it happens or what it looks like for A&M to beat LSU. It's hard to envision that, but right. You're, you're right in the sense of like A&M's now, they, they will have played four of the top five teams in the country. They, they've, they've, the other three they played, they've been competitive in all three of them. You're telling me that in five losses or five games against elite teams where they've been competitive in all five, they can't, they're not going to pick off one of them. Right. Uh, it just I, feels I, like they're due. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that might be the only hunch I have is just, man, they've been, you know, putting in all this work. They just might be due for a win. I, I don't know. LSU is so good. I, but I, I don't know. I, that wouldn't shock me at all if Texas A&M, you know, knocked them off. I'm, uh, I'm taking They would still Auburn. be fine, by the way. If they beat Georgia, right. they'd still be in. So it wouldn't matter. Right. God, if if that's the that's the big twist that we get in rivalry week, <laughs> it's just uh, like, well, there's one thing we can rule out. Well, I, that would be great news for Utah. Uh, for I guess it would be good news for Alabama. It, it would be good news for Oklahoma and everybody else. But um, man, what if we get LSU and Alabama? Or oh, no, that'll be Texas A&M over LSU. Oh man, my head's spinning. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Danny. I don't think it happens. It's probably one of those ones where we're wasting our breath, but that's what we do in our business, right? No, nothing but hot air. <laughs> yep. That's it. Uh, you can follow hey, Danny. Hey, hey, oh, hey, hold on, Chip. Right. Hold on. Okay. Before Danny gets out of here, right. uh, since you are a heavy hitter 
in Tallahassee. Big oh, time yeah. on Florida State. Great call. You got to yeah. give me who, who at when, when the AD and the president and all the big dog boosters call you and say, Danny, who should we hire? Who are you telling them? Oh, I, you guys didn't hear the news already? Like Urban Meyer is going to be the next head coach. I thought you guys knew that. Didn't you read all those blogs like when Willie Taggart, before he was fired, they had that in place, didn't they? Oh, that's right. That didn't happen. Um, I I had a couple names on there. I have three names that I think they should target. And I like I think Matt Rule, but I don't. That some of them I don't think they leave. Like Matt Rule, I don't know. I think he's done a fantastic job at Baylor. I think he might – if his aspirations are to leave Baylor, I think it might be a jump to the NFL, maybe the New York Giants. I would love to see them target him. Um, I would love to see who else. You know, like I, you know, I've been talked into recently, and I kind of didn't have him on my radar the first time around. Is Mike Leach? Like I do think Mike Leach would be a fascinating hire for Florida State. I think he could be incredible. I think the offense would you know, be off the charts. I think it would be even better than it was this past season, which was improved, but still not good enough. And if they, you know, I think he's been known to develop quarterbacks and assuming maybe he could keep on Jim Levitt as a defensive coordinator, or he, you know, he's put together good staffs before in the past. I think he could put, fill out a really nice staff. Um, and I also think, and you guys might think I'm a little bit crazy on this one, and this might be a little bit of bias toward him because I know him, is Odell Higgins, uh, the, the interim coach who has been there. He's a Florida State lifer. He was a GA when I was there, had just finished up playing. I think he absolutely should be in consideration, and he deserves equal time with anybody else on the board. And I think it'll be something to watch out for. How does this Florida State team play against Florida? I don't think they're going to win, but if they go out there and fight and lay their hearts out there for Odell Higgins and in the bowl game, I do think it's worth at least entertaining that thought. And I, I would love to see him get an opportunity there. Ultimately, I don't think that Florida State goes with Odell, but he definitely needs some serious consideration from the staff. Listen, man, we, you know, I can't make a judgment on Odell because he's not been a coordinator and he's not been a head coach other than an interim basis. And so. Wasn't that Dabo Sweeney? Right. Well, that's my point. No. It's, it's yeah. like I, you have to just trust people like you that have been in the program on that. And, and yeah, like look at the top three in the country the number two team, LSU. Elevated a non-coordinator in Ed Ogeron, and the number three team in Clemson elevated a non-coordinator in Dabo. So if he's the right guy, the people in the people around that program are the ones that should, you know, tell us he's the right guy. I, I don't, I can't pass judgment on that. But if he's the, like, there's no reason that I can tell you he's not, you know, from the outside right. looking in. Given given right. the success that some of these other guys have now had. Yeah, and he'd be a great recruiter. I know he cares about the kids. That matters to me. Uh, I don't know if it matters to Florida State boosters or not. That made it pretty clear because I thought Willie Taggart cared about the kids too. I think ultimately all they care about is winning. But I, the reason I don't think they go with Odell is because they are going for an outside coaching firm. And, you know, they, they're not going to have that tug on their hearts and the heartstrings that the boosters may have for Odell. I think they'll be a little bit more businesslike in the approach. And I, ultimately, I don't know if Florida State is in a position to take many risks, whether it was, you know, a Mike Leach or Odell Higgins. I think they have to go and they'll be recommended they hire somebody who has head coaching experience that's a little bit of a safer pick. Hey, uh, any coaching firm that's out there right now is going to tell you to go get James Franklin. Now, yeah. can Florida State um, – because I think Florida State's a better job than Penn State. I think Florida State's a job where you can win national championships. And James Franklin has said in interviews time and time again, his goal is to win national championships. So the lure of arriving at a place where you can compete for and win national championships is there. But 
you know, how does the timing of all this work? How long does Florida State want to wait? What does James Franklin want to have as his order of operations in terms of, you know, is USC going to be open? Are we going to wait to see if USC is going to be open? And I think that, you know, if that's, that's where the outside search firm almost makes it, you know, you can, you can just sort of go by the power rankings, right? Like whether it's a, you know, a Bruce Feldman or a Dennis Dodd here at CBS, like the people that are connected to the people who are close to the search firms, the list is pretty much the same. And then there's some details where you've got the, the ones that might be a better fit and you try and connect hometowns and where you've coached before. But James Franklin's at the top of that list. And, uh, if, if I'm James Franklin, I think, I think you hear it out because you can win national championships at Florida state. You absolutely can. You could also win him at USC, which is another right. option for him potentially and where he's wanted to go. But you bring up an outstanding point. And this is one of the things that bothered me when Florida State, you know, fired Willie when they did, because I was like, well, what's the difference if you let him finish out the season? It just felt to me like Florida State was waiting for the opportunity or, you know, the, the power players. And as soon as they saw it, they jumped on it. Oh, this was a bad game for Miami. Let's do it now. But that's one of the things that bothers me with no plan in place. Like you better make sure you get something better. And of course that's when the rumors were out there and they were spinning urban Meyer and Bob Stoops and some of these names. And I'm rolling my eyes thinking you guys are nuts. Like this is not, and and these are the people that are applying pressure that are getting Willie Taggart fired. And then you're sitting here and they're, they're starting to get restless now. Like, why haven't we made those hires? I'm like, cause they weren't options, you know? And it's, I, I don't know. It's like, it doesn't make much sense to me. But I do think there is going to be a carousel and you're going to see a lot of turnover and a lot of it is going to be, you know, who gets the first pick of the draft, so to speak. And I think a lot of these coaches are going to be hesitant to take a job unless it's the one they want. So I think it's going to be where Florida State might be kind of waiting around. You're going to everybody's going to be watching USC. What do they do with Clay Helton? Like some of these, you know, things have to settle before, you know, there's a move made. And that can be very frustrating, especially for a place like Florida State who probably says, no, wait. We're not waiting around. Like we, we need to make a move. We're Florida State. It's going to be a coaching carousel in the next, you know, ten days because we're getting really close. As soon as the regular season ends, you're going to start see some some athletic directors and boosters and school presidents start getting antsy. Is like, why isn't this position filled? And then, you know, you know how it works. Once one's filled, then who's going to take Penn State? You know what happens there? And it's this kind of vicious cycle of rumors that happen. It's going to be a high drama there when the season ends for sure. Do you like the high drama? Do you get off on the coaching carousel? I I don't mind the coaching carousel. What I don't love is how quick we've come to, you know, Chad Morris gets hired or gets fired after 22 games. And I get it was ugly. Willie Taggart gets fired, you know, 20 games or whatever it was. It's incredibly expensive, you know, for these schools just to cut these checks. I mean, I was under the impression Florida State was scrapped for cash. And then all of a sudden they had no problem. Hey, well, 20 million, no problem. We'll cut that check. That's like, all right, well, what are you telling people? And where, where, all right, what's the real story here? I also, and I know it was bad for both Chad Morris and Willie Taggart. I think it is a, a crazy, totally unrealistic expectation that you would think you could turn a program around in two years. I, I just, I, it's, it's for me, I'm, I'm a, maybe it's old school. And I'm like, hey, if it takes another year and it's another year ugly, well, at least it'll be clearer and you will have the writing on the wall. But I understand the business aspect of it and the impact that, you know, the lack in ticket sales or the lack in donations and all those types of pressures that come on athletic departments when the fan base quits on a team. But, man, is it bad business. And, it again, you better know what you're looking for and you're going to get something better that's going to be there because 
In a lot of these cases, you're starting from scratch. You're hitting the rebuild, and that's going to set you back more oftentimes than it's going to move you forward. Mm. He is Danny Cannell. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can see Cannell and Bell on CBS Sports HQ. You can go download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, this has been fun. Thank you very much. 